0: Hi, this is James Barris. I hope you find this talk supports you in your practice. If you'd like to support my teaching, you can use the donate button underneath my picture on Dharma Seed to do that. Your support is greatly appreciated. So the... Uh, The title of the talk tonight is uh, I Didn't Know I Had It In Me, a talk about courage. And I was uh, moved to uh, talk about this topic. Um, Just earlier this week, I uh, met planning the the last uh retreat of uh, a two-year program that I've mentioned from time to time uh that I've been um teaching along with uh four other teachers Sharda Rogel and Frank Ostasewski um from originally from Zen Hospice and uh Founded Zen Hospice and uh, with the Metta Institute, Angie Stevens, who works with him there, and Bob Stahl, who's a, a really wonderful teacher, and main MBSR teacher, and it's um, on the Heavenly Messengers, which are um, for those who haven't heard that term, those are um, the um, the sights that woke the Prince up from. Uh, from his idyllic world in the palace, uh, when he saw old age, sickness, and death, in the form of uh, some beings, and uh, supposedly they were sent from by the 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 uh, the devas, the the uh, the heavenly realms, to wake the prince up. Uh, And the fourth messenger being an ascetic, a renunciate. uh, And he realized that no matter how wonderful his life was, he too was going to be subject to old age sickness and death. And um, he had to figure out another source of real happiness. And that was what moved him to, uh, to become an ascetic and after six years become... Enlightened and become known as the Buddha. Um, and so, this uh, two year program, which has really been wonderful, we've been looking at illness and um, aging and dying and death as um, vehicles to support awakening, which is what the Buddha said to reflect on every day um, along with the fact that everything and everyone near and dear to you, you will be separated from, and that you are the owner of your karma. Those are the five reflections or five remembrances. So we, this group of 85 people, um, have gone through this program together um, and about to uh, to have the last of the five retreats um, that we'll that we 've had throughout the the two years um, and we were wondering well, as far as integrating and bringing it all around, what topics uh, would be appropriate as we uh, as people leave the support of the program. It's been very, uh, very um, beneficial for everyone. And, and the topic of courage came up uh, as we discussed it, and seeing, oh, this has been really an unspoken theme uh, throughout the two years. And as you can imagine, as life happens, People have gone through major loss, a few people have gone through major illness that they're dealing with, and just life happens in there. We were and are confronting these messengers all the time. And it was clear that what it, uh, what they are called, what they call us to do, besides waking us up to the preciousness of life, is to somehow find the courage to meet the unknown meet the difficult and not shrink away not be overwhelmed by our fear and in the process of meeting those messengers um, not only waking up to life, but growing in our capacity to be with every with everything, which is really the essence of uh, of our dharma practice. One way you could think of as the essence of our dharma practice. I was thinking about this as um, we were all sitting here, and I uh, at times had my eyes open just to. Sometimes I sit with my eyes open and uh, sometimes I close them. But uh, it wasn't like I was looking around, but it was clear in a moment that here, everybody in this room just sitting still, not trying to at least outwardly fix the moment, um you might be doing it inside but what one way you can think of what you're doing as you sit here it's like you are um, having a commitment to be with this moment and this moment and this moment no matter if it's sweet and delicious or it's challenging and painful, or it's confusing and um, kind of all over the map, that somehow that statement of taking the posture and being here for your life, good, bad, ugly, beautiful, is a statement of, of courage. I will sit here, I will sit here and be with, with it all. This is from the Buddha, before he was enlightened, and you know, he, as he left the palace, and then practiced for six years the most austere practices that were happening at that time, because that was part of the... Mm, uh, part of the hero's journey to self-mortification and uh, endurance and what's called heroic effort. Uh, and this is a famous statement of, of his um, making this determination. If the end is attainable by human effort, I will not rest or relax until it is attained. Let only my skin and sinews and bones remain. Let my flesh and blood dry up. I will not stop the course of my effort until I win that which may be won by human ability, human effort, human exertion. Wow. And supposedly when he got to the end of his line, just before he was enlightened and his his five cohorts abandoned him because they thought he went soft because he, he took an offering of some sweet, sweet uh, rice, milk rice, and uh, didn't seem like he was going to be hardcore ascetic. So they left him and he was all by himself. And as one way the story goes, saying, I will sit under that tree, the Bodhi tree in what is now Bodh Gaya, I will sit under that tree until I either become enlightened or die. you imagine having that determination as you sit on your cushion at home or your chair? You know? I'm not saying... To compare yourself with the buddha but it 's just a it 's a possibility you see the the determination there's a, a word in in uh, pali one of the ten perfections is called aditana uh, a d h i t t h a n a aditana which uh, is um, determination um Unwavering persistence. And that <clears throat> really is calling summoning our courage to meet anything. And the, the heavenly messengers, this is one of the gifts of the the heavenly messengers up until the moment of death. Okay. Here's the next thing to stretch ourselves with. Here's illness. Here's uh, depression. Here's loss. Here is old age and pain. Here is the unknown. Here is the moment of death this is what we're called on to do again and again in our, in our practice to meet the unknown. And of course, any time we're moving from the safety of the familiar or the comfortable into unknown territory, um, there is likely to be fear because we are stretching ourselves. We're getting out of our comfort zone. And so, of course, it will be uncomfortable. That's not a sign that something is wrong. That's a sign that you're stretching yourself. Of course, there's fear that has to do with danger that's very important to honor and respect. But often fear is just this sense of, I don't know if I can handle this. But as I've said before, if you think of fear as the membrane from the familiar and the known to the unknown, it's a kind of scout that is indicating you're stretching yourself, or as Jack says, Jack Cornfield says, another way to think of fear is it's saying, about to grow. And of course, we have a choice. We can either say, this is too much, and it's important to respect when it is too much, when we have our limits, or we somehow uh, uh, can't be bigger than, but we can also see if we somehow can find the courage, can face our fear. Is a, a great book that um, that I love, that um, that some dharma practitioners wrote and uh, asked me to to write something for it. It's called Facing Fear, Finding Courage. That's the title of the book by um, Sarah Quigley and Marilyn Schroyer, I think it is. Uh, I love that title, Facing Fear, Finding Courage. And so if we can see that fear is an ally that is calling on us to grow, to stretch ourselves, uh, that's that's a a whole other way of seeing this. That uh, we are we are connecting with that resource, and somehow finding the strength of heart to put ourselves forward. The word courage. The root of courage, cour, c o u r, is uh, is heart is a, is Latin Latin derivative and French cour uh, from from the heart and courage is really finding a strength of heart that somehow um, enables us to leap forward as Nisargadot. Maharaj, who wrote "I Am That" wonderful book, "I Am That" fabulous dharma book, "I Am That." He he has this line: uh, the mind, the mind creates the abyss, and the heart crosses over it. The mind creates the abyss with our fears, with our. Wondering, I don't know if I can handle it. And fear is always about the future, if you think about it. That's why there's refuge here in the present moment. But the mind creates all kinds of stories of what might happen or what lies ahead and can keep us small and contracted. And somehow the heart crosses over it, the heart that's, that's not... Lost in thinking too much, you know. We can we when we're thinking too much, when we're in our head, then the the fear can take over. But when we get out of our head, somehow, um, the fear isn't operative to hold us back. I was thinking in my own my own life, and I'll ask you to think in a few moments. Just those moments where somehow uh, fear wasn't operating and held, holding me back. Uh, I, I remember there were two from my earlier days, from my, my young days. Uh, I, I was, uh, this is when I was 21, and a friend of mine um, went to Europe all by himself he didn't know a soul and i remember seeing him before he left and i said wow what are you what are you going to do when you land you know he said i don't know i said really and where are you going to go at he was i think landing in <coughs> london and he was going for a few months on an adventure and i said well where are you going to go besides England? He said, I don't know. And I said, really? You know, I I like to play it safe, and I was, you know, I, I had a lot of fear and was, was quite was quite shy, and, you know, I, I had a lot of fear. I said, really? You, you just, you have no idea what you're going to do? In, in those days, this was in the, you know, late 60s, uh, and... Uh, you know, now you you better go with uh, with a fair amount of money, or just know what you're doing. Or you know, they, in those days there was a book, Europe on five dollars a day. Uh, <clears throat> so, um, but it was so inspiring to me. I mean, it, it just kind of really stretched my mind, and I said, "You're really going to do that?" And I just and he and he did, and he came back, and he survived, and he told you know, all of his adventure stories. And there was something in me that said, I have to do that. And then another part of me that said, no, you don't have to do that. And then another part that said, I have to do that. And I, and I did the next summer. I was, by that time, it was my first year teaching school. Um, And so I had, uh, Uh, teaching uh, uh, um, fifth grade in New York City. And I had uh, the summer off, and I knew that's what I was going to do. And I landed in England, and I had no idea what I was going to do. And it was really a turning point in my life, is probably you have those moments where you just have to do something. And on that very first, it was the first week, so I'll just share a little bit of my story again, we can hear from you. On that first week... A watershed moment occurred. I was in London, uh, in, in in Piccadilly Circus, which, if you've ever been to London, is kind of like Times Square. It's this round uh, meeting place, and I went with my guitar because you know I figured, well, that's some way to meet people, right? So, and I like to get people singing together, and. Um, so I was, I, I was playing the guitar. That that wasn't so scary, uh, because at least I get people singing together and we all have a you know good time. But as I was playing, the, the moment came when, uh, as I was playing, and there was a little bit of a crowd, you know, um, just having fun together. And there was um, a young woman who caught my eye. And I thought, well, wow. and, and I was you know kept on my singing, you know, but she caught my eye. And after some time, and she was there with her friends, and um, she started to walk away. You know, they started to go on their way. And I don't know what came over me. I still, to this day, don't know what came over me. But I stopped my playing, and I went... Over to her, and I said, "You can't go." And she said, "What?" I said, "Well, what's your name?" and and I got her number, and I think we went out once. This was not the soulmate I was to meet, you know. Uh, But after she, I said, "You know, I want to, I want to." meet you and, uh, and, and spend some time. And she gave me her contact information. And I went back and I said, oh my God, what did I just do? I'd never done anything like that before. You know those, if you're a guy, and you, uh, you know, whatever you're, a uh, guy or woman or whatever, but guys in those days calling somebody up for a date, do you remember and may, It probably still happens now. Now you just go to Tinder or whatever it is, and you know you swipe somebody, and it's
1: <laughs> it,
0: it's a whole different ball game. But in those days, calling somebody up for a date, I can still remember heart pounding each time. Dare I do it? And then you you dial in those days. You kind of dialed like that. This is dating me. And and the phone is ringing, and there's no turning back now. And then the then it somebody picks up on the other end, and you've got to actually say something. You know, that's scary as hell. You know. So anyway, that moment where I didn't think my mind didn't get in the way, and I just said, we have to meet. It was a turning point in my life. I, I refer back to that moment as saying, don't let the mind get in the way. And lo and behold, I got her number. You know, Have you had those moments where you just, the mind didn't have a chance to get in the way? And somehow, something else came through you. I remember the first time I did a retreat, oh my God, am I really going to do this? Be silent for a week or two weeks at that time. And then I went on my, it was so compelling, I went on, I had to go on a three-month retreat. My parents thought I was completely crazy, and I had to kind of not, deal or, or somehow not be swayed by what kind of cult are you joining, but there was just something that I knew I had to do it. I just invite you for a few moments to go inside and maybe reflect for you when for you did the heart cross the abyss that the mind might have created? When for you did somehow you get in touch with a courage that you didn't even know was there? That you didn't know you had in you? That you took the leap And somehow, it helped you grow. And if you get in touch with anything, and it doesn't have to be something noble or profound, but just some experience where you stretched yourself. What was going on there? What was happening? And what was it like to have done that? What was the byproduct or the result? What did you learn? Okay and uh, before I go on i have this might turn into a two uh, two part talk because i have i 'm just on the first half of my first page and i 've got a number of pages to go so we'll just kind of see um, but um, what uh, we can just hear s- a few people 's comments uh, and uh, maybe uh, inspire each other um, before I go on oh would you Thanks, Jaime. And when you uh, have the mic, put it on an angle, right? Like Just like this, like you're speaking into a ice cream cone. Don't lick, but put it close. <laughs> so, anyone want to share? Don't be shy. There <laughs> you go. Find your courage.
1: Uh, hi, um, your stories remind me. Um, for many years, I worked in uh, early childhood. I don't quite know how that happened, but it did, and uh, I was the only guy. <laughs> quite often, in a room full, a school full of women, and I, I felt over, overwhelmed. I was in mm. my early twenties, and um, that went on a bit, and, and then it became uh, more normal. Occasionally, there was another guy around, but uh, more, I think. Puffs. more about courage was uh more about courage forgive me uh, was i then worked many years in the inner city and i was often the only white guy mm-hmm. in the school or white person and that was a major experience of uh, otherness mm-hmm. uh and was sometimes scary often awkward but sometimes wonderful and, and that was a bit of a that was a real leap for me and mm-hmm. um that went on for quite a while. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Thank you for reminding me of uh, awkward moments.
0: Yeah, and good to see that you
1: somehow yeah, yeah, had that courage. You know, we survive these things, and sometimes yeah, yeah. nice things happen as part of it. Sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Thank you. Yeah. Anybody else? We'll just take a, one or two more.
1: I was in a difficult situation for many, many years, and mm-hmm. it was really bad for my my soul, and I kind of summoned the courage to confront the issue, and I was kind of trapped in fear, and if I do this, I will get punished, and it'll, it won't work out for me, but I just tapped into some, as you were saying, this really deep force, and I kind of my mind tuned out, and I don't know where it came from, but looking back, it was... It was my savior and it was so strong and so powerful and it was within me and
0: Mm -hmm. that's something
1: now that i have access to
0: Mm -hmm. you didn't know you had it in you and there it was that was
1: not even a plug what's that that wasn't a plug for your theme tonight yeah no no (laughs)
0: uh, that's 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 it we discover something when we somehow stretch ourselves like that great thank you any anyone last one else we, there's over there speak right into it yeah
2: so this is kind of a holiday one for the Halloween coming up but um I am in a business group that is um you know kind of very professional at times and um so I decided towards Halloween that I was going to do something different. So I wore a complete tails and um, you know white tie tuxedo deal that I happened to own since I was 20. And um, I, had a, I had a heavy coat on. It was cold. And, uh, so I had to give a presentation for this group that was about my profession, which has nothing to do with my tails and tuxedo. So I, uh, when I got up to speak, I took off my coat, and everybody was... <gasps> and I put on my red clown nose, and I gave my presentation mm-hmm. as a clown. Mm-hmm. And um, I remember thinking, oh, my God, I'm either going to be a complete idiot or they're <laughs> going to laugh and have a good time. And we actually had a lovely time, but I was, I had this moment of, you know, why is it that we have to be so serious and um, allowing myself to be playful like that with all these professional people was really, really exciting and fun. Mm-hmm. And I was, it, it, it was that. It was a very opening moment for mm-hmm. me. And I found that I could be professional in a different way.
0: Mm-hmm. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, it's, it was exciting. That's often what happens. The, the anxiety that's fear gets channeled and becomes exciting. Isn't that interesting? I mean, think of the times, if you thought of something, looking back, wasn't it quite gratifying? Oh, yeah, I did that. And the anticipatory feeling is, oh, my goodness, is this going to work out? Will I survive or whatever? And then you somehow do it, and you feel alive. And you feel excited, and all of that energy that went into fear gets channeled into aliveness. What a what a fantastic alchemical transformation! Courage isn't the absence of fear. This is uh, uh, this is from uh, who is it? Uh, Sem Rinpoche, courage is not the absence of fear, but rather the judgment that something else is more important than fear. And uh, Pema Chodron, she, uh she writes in uh I fr- I don't I forget if it's uh when things fall apart or one of one of her wonderful books, she says that um her ex-husband uh, uh said at one point um, was commenting and complimenting her on her uh, her courage and her uh, her bravery. And she said, bravery? I'm, I'm the scaredest person around. And he said, that's exactly it. You're really scared, but you don't let it stop you. you know? So there's something quite enlivening, not only for ourselves, but for but for others who can see when we put ourselves out, like you were giving your, your presentation. This is from Marianne Williamson, a quote that maybe some of you know. It's a really wonderful quote. Our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate, she says. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. It is our light, That's how it works, and this is the 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 magic of letting our own courage move us. It inspires others, and in this time, Pema Chodron wrote this beautiful book. I did a series of talks here on the Bodhisattva Bodhisattva's Guide. Uh, uh, to life, and she called it um, No time to lose in this time in this in this very interesting juncture of humanity, where fear and consciousness are in a race, so to speak there 's no time to lose. There's no time to play small. I, I w- I was, um, I'm taking this eco sattva training that, uh, that One Earth Sangha is going through, uh, is putting out a, 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 uh, an eight week course. And we're meeting locally over at uh, um, Aaron Seliver's, uh Partners Yoga Studio here in Berkeley. And we we meet weekly to kind of process the, um, the the course, and uh, just this Tuesday night, uh, this one woman uh, who was saying um, about about stepping up, and she said, you know, it's just time for Big Jenny to show up. and, she, and we all said, yeah, Big Jenny, and she. She went from. She talked about how, how um, really, she has a big thing about not uh, uh, about shyness and not upsetting the apple cart, you know. But when she said, "It's time for Big Jenny to show up," we all got bigger as she she was talking about it. These days, there's no time to lose. No time to play small. The world needs our courage, and it is—it's um, contagious. One of my good friends, very a great blessing in my life, uh, is Patricia Ellsberg, um, who, with her husband Dan Ellsberg if you're old enough to remember Daniel Ellsberg, the quintessential whistleblower who um, who made the Pentagon Papers public and really changed the course of public opinion about the Vietnam War. Uh, he was working for the, for the Rand Corporation and had access to all these top-secret... Um, uh, the real story of, of our involvement in Vietnam. And he took those top secret papers and photocopied, I think it's like 5,000 pages of them, and then made them public uh, and was on uh, a fugitive with, uh, with Patricia for several months. Henry Kissinger called him the most dangerous man in America. And there's a beautiful movie that was made about, uh, about Daniel. Um, and they live right here in Berkeley, and uh, there's a picture that uh, that Patricia has in her house. I get shivers whenever I see it. Of um, when they came out, they didn't. Know he was going to be charged with, I think, 118 years in prison for releasing the Pentagon Papers. So, as it turned out, it never happened because it was. The public opinion and some loopholes prevented him. He never had to go to jail, but he came out and there's this one picture of surrounded by, um, by cameras and, uh, and microphones stuck in, his, uh, in their face. And there, Patricia and Dan surrounded by this army of journalists saying, how could you do what you've done? And do you know what you're in for? And all like that. And they, in the center of this activity, mm, she is beatific. And he is strong and centered. And I've said, what was that moment like? And she has talked about it at the Joy Course a lot. She used to be part of the Joy Course. She said, it was so extraordinary. It was was Gandhi's satyagraha, or truth force. Gandhi would talk about the truth force, the force of truth where you have right and truth on your side and you are so aligned with truth that nothing can harm you and we just had that truth force surrounding us and protecting us, it was like, uh, it was otherworldly. And we've seen that when people have that force of truth who are so courageous that nothing can harm them, even threats and fear, that they are so aligned and they elevate us, they, are, they inspire us like Gandhi did or Martin Luther King did. You see those, those films, film clips of Martin Luther King, not only giving his speeches, but walking in the, in the lion's den with that force of truth and we get inspired by it and it brings out our better angels. I get inspired by um, Bill McKibben these days and probably uh, if you're into uh, ecology, you do too. Just there he is, so unpretentious and just himself, and saying, we're going to do this and not be deterred. <clears throat> we get inspired by others. Nelson Mandela has this line. He, he calls it the multiplicity of courage, that we are moved to join forces, and our, we are inspired by others, and then we in turn inspire others just by being willing to stretch ourselves the elevation response it's called where we are moved to uh, to become more than than we thought we were <clears throat> and it feels really good once you do to move out of your comfort zone and and stretch your places where you're you're uncomfortable and we can surprise ourselves. Walt Whitman has this beautiful line from Song, Song of Myself. He says, I'm larger than I thought. I did not know I held so much goodness. That's, that's what we're talking about, seeing we're larger than we thought. And Dharma practice is an invitation to be larger than we thought, to wake up and grow and to play our edge. There's, uh, I was listening to Joseph Goldstein uh, uh, give a talk recently and he was talking about the uh, the quality, the awakening factor of viria, which is uh, energy and effort. And he made a, 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 an interesting point. He said um, that sloth and torpor, one of the five hindrances, we think of it often as just, oh, dullness and laziness, but really in a more profound way, sloth and torpor, tina midda, is a withdrawing of our effort. And a kind of uh, playing it safe, and it, it's it's something to discern. Of course, we want to respect what our limits are, and not traumatize ourselves or go in over our head. And so, of course, compassion is is called for. Wise compassion to know when we're in over our heads. However, to not get seduced by that voice that disguises itself as compassion that says, you know, you really have done enough. Why don't you just take it easy now? That's It's important to understand wise compassion, but not to get seduced by your subtle fear in the guise of compassion. And to have the willingness to play your edge, which really is from the heart, your courage that's uh, that's not playing it safe. Then you find out that you have the capacity. That's how you grow. Think of all the times where you thought, I don't know if I'm going to make it through this one. And then you do and you say, wow, look at that. And you see through each of those encounters, you get what's called verified faith, where you see, I can do this. I I remember hearing this... um, um, motivational speaker i haven 't heard of about her in years her her uh, her name is Terry Cole Whitaker and she I once heard her give this great talk. She said that uh, most people are content with a C average in their life that most people just want to get through not make waves and not have to deal with uh, the repercussions of putting themselves in in, in, uh, uh, precarious positions. But there they are looking at the ones that go for it, the, 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 the stars, and going, wow, look at them. Wow, isn't that cool? I do that thing. But they're content with playing playing it safe and just having a C average in life. And she it was very inspiring. Don't be content with settling for your life when there's other possibilities to really find out what's calling you and what wants to come out of you. And that also means the courage to speak the truth when something wants to come out of you and the courage to speak the truth not only to others but the courage to speak the truth to yourself and be really honest with yourself and not hide under I didn't know or somehow it was below the the radar, but really taking an honest inventory and an honest look where you're letting fear run you and the possibility of moving beyond that. And also the courage not to give up on humanity. It's too easy. It's too easy to throw in the towel and say, oh, what's the point? As uh, Michael Lerner, Rabbi uh, Michael Lerner, uh, says, uh, cynics are really frustrated idealists. Cynics are frustrated idealists. We can have all kinds of vision and then we, and then we find ourselves... Uh, disappointed and saying, oh, how could I have been so foolish? And then we become cynical and just throw in the towel. Don't do that. Don't turn your back on on the possibilities and on humanity. So I just uh, ask you uh, to reflect for a few moments before we we end. Just... Reflect for yourself what gets in the way of courage to meet life as it is or to speak your truth. What gets in the way? And be very compassionate as you see, but not to let it run the show. And what would it be like to live from that place of courage to be yourself, Courage to speak the truth. Courage to take the risk not playing it safe when this is what's being called from deep inside of you. And perhaps this next week or so you can When you get to that crossroads, see what it's like to harness that energy of fear and let yourself be moved by the courageous heart. Feel the adventure of being fully alive. As Anais Nin so beautifully put it, And the day came when the risk to remain tight in a bud was more painful than the risk it took to blossom. And the day came when the risk to remain tight in a bud was more painful Than the risk it took to blossom. We'll just end with a few moments of loving kindness. just appreciating yourself for wanting to grow and wake up, would bring you here on a Thursday evening. And supporting yourself to be fully alive. May I find the courage to be fully who I am. May I find the courage to speak the truth to myself and to others and to live the truth. And may I see the goodness inside and all around me. May all beings find the courage to awaken to their true nature. And may our coming here together be of benefit to all beings everywhere and this wonderful planet that we live on. Thank you very much. Have a great week. Mm. See you next week.